Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up, everybody? It's your boy Thunder Chats here coming to you with our presenting sponsor once again, betonline.ag. It is your number one source for all of your basketball info, stats, news, and scores. Get the latest odds and lines, including the latest player reports for this year's pro basketball playoffs. BetOnline is your always your sports information headquarters this season as we have you covered for all your sports wagering needs. Basketball, MLB, NHL hockey, right to UFC and boxing. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info, including live betting options and your favorite casino and card games you can play right from your home. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Be sure to use our promo code BLEAV, that is capital letters BLEAV, believe, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. And welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the Top of Thunder podcast. I am your host, Dylan Hunsinger, at Thunder Chats. We are part of the Believe Network, and this podcast is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. Now that all the fun stuff is out of the way, it is draft season, ladies and gentlemen. We are kicking it off in glorious fashion with a couple of awesome guests. But first, we've got to get to uh, my co-host and my compatriots. First, we got the underscone, the underscone, underscone. the underscore back in the stomping grounds. Connor, what up, Cone? The underscone is a new one, Dylan. That's awesome. Um, I like it. You're better as a pastry than a cone. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess I'll take that. That's, I think that's a brand new sentence. No one's ever said that one before. But good to be back on the pod. It's been a bit. I haven't been on here since the Thunder suffered. Unfortunate crushing defeat to the Timberwolves, who we'll talk about soon on this podcast. But, uh, you know, it was a great season. Enjoyed it. Uh, exceeded all expectations as much as I would have loved to go to the playoff games, game three and four, because that might've been all we got, but would have loved to go to a couple of playoff games uh, would have been there if we made it, but it's unfortunate. We'll be there next season anyways, as the one seed. So it's okay, but all around super fun season. Can't <laughs> complain. And I'm happy to be on here talking about the draft and kind of excited to not have to stress about the lottery and worry about whether, you know, if we jump up a couple of spots, like our rebuild is saved and if we fall a couple it's the end of the world like it's been the past couple of years so uh it's a nice spot to be in as much as i would love victor but you know it'll just be more fun when i have no expectations and we jumped to one on draft on the lottery night out of completely nowhere so i'm um, doing well though all right i love it i love it and uh also joining us in his office just now recovering from smoking that pelicans pack we've got the one and only champagne jerry what up jerry you know i'm just over here this guy's talking about when we don't get Victor or whatever. I'll just let you know, I went on Tankathon for a total of 10 times, and we got him 3 out of 10. So I can just say that that's looking pretty good for us. Send him to the lottery. Yeah. Um, and, you know, with that attitude, you're never going to make that 1.8% uh, chance come true. So I am going to will it to power. Um, but this is just an awesome draft uh, off season or just off season in general, because it's like, we're just chilling. We got dead money coming off the books. We about to have a good time. Uh, and we're going to be the one seed next year. As Cone said, he stole my thunder there. Um, but yeah, happy to be on, especially these two. I, I, I love recording with these two guys. All right. And, uh, last but not least, we've got joining us from the Batmobile, the one, the only 
Alejandro, Alex Roy. What up, Alex? I'm good, man. I, I don't want to. I don't want my intro to go on too long. So, hi. <laughs> <laughs> I love respect. It. Love it. <laughs> I love it. Short, sweet, to the point. Let's get into it. So, joining us today are two men that share the same name. One resides in the great state of Minnesota, while the other holds it down in Arizona. One is a fan of the NBA champion runner-ups, while the other is a fan of a team that employs dirty French players who likes to throw elbows. If one is the conductor of chaos at the No Seamless Collectives, then the other is the engineer. Both, however, no ball. Both, however, are some of the best draft analysts around, and both, however, are the co-hosts of the No Seamless Podcast flagship program. While one may occasionally mistake players for shorter versions of themselves, and the other two, the other two's favorite players in the league are Trey Mann and Jayla Williams of Arkansas, there is no better duo we would rather kick off draft coverage with. So, without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Please welcome double the Tyler's, double the trouble, Tyler Metcalf and Tyler Rucker. Gosh, did I miss that? I feel like draft season doesn't start off until we get that intro, Metcalf. That felt that felt good. Thank you guys for having us. Um, the runner-up dig really did hurt. I brought back a lot of bad <laughs> memories, but I appreciate it. Um, I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I, I, th- this feels weird. It, it feels so much later in the NBA schedule than we usually get to uh, k- yes. kicking off the draft season with you guys. But um, <laughs> it's very, a good very thing, excited. Man, I know it is. Thing. I know it is. I'm sorry that uh, you know your season had to end a little earlier. Mm. It's real yeah, I would have loved if uh, this um, started a little bit later. You know, Matt yeah. but it's okay. <laughs> well, we're not all winners, you know. Wolves in seven. Let's go. <laughs> I, hey, I would have loved it if we're the ones that had to be like, hey, if we win on Monday, we'll do it. You know, if we went on Sunday, we'll go ahead and do the podcast Monday. I know. I'm so high maintenance. I'm sorry, guys. I appreciate your flexibility. <laughs> I love it, man. Well, hey, you know, let's talk typical about your Wolves, Wolves a little fan. bit, man. Yeah, typical Wolves yeah. fan. Perfect segue, Dylan. Let's hear it. I, I, and I hate this team. Uh, we, we can start there. It's awful. Anthony Edwards is, you know, our, our, our Lord and Savior. Um, he is all thing. He is everything that is good with basketball. Um, Mike Conley is an absolute joy. Having an adult in the room for the first time in a decade has uh, been really refreshing. Um, Jaden McDaniels, love him. Love him to death. Wish he wouldn't have punched a wall. That, uh, that was a real bummer. Uh, rest of the team is also employed. So, yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, yeah, man. I mean, uh, how's, how's it feel though? Being back in the playoffs? Say, I, I mean, I, I noticed you didn't mention uh, certain Carl Anthony towns or uh, a certain Frenchman who likes to throw elbows. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I was against the Rudy trade from the second it happened. Uh, Rucker can attest to that. Yes, I, I, believe. Yes, I can. Ma- can maybe, confirm. maybe one or two expletives were, were sent um, or said aloud. Um, but yeah, and it was really fun where the, the the one of the most fun teams in franchise history immediately got disassembled for one of the least liked players in the league who's exiting his prime and about to make 60 million a year um and plays the same position as, you know, their quote unquote franchise player. Um curious roster construction there hasn't worked out at all in any facet really. Um and then Cat is I mean he missed 53 games this year with what was almost a torn Achilles. So he's not a hundred percent yet, but he's out there and it's still the same old stuff where the game still isn't slowing down for him mentally, where he's still making really immature mistakes all over the place on both ends of the floor. He can't stay out of foul trouble. He still doesn't know how to set a screen, which is bewildering. Um, (laughs) When he, when he, the shot is falling, he looks awesome and he can get 30 with ease, but he's also going to rack up four offensive fouls and, 
seven turnovers. So it's it's super frustrating. Sounds like you got some pain in those eyes. No, I'm letting it all out. <laughs> this is those, the hey, face, those, those eyes are dead. Yeah. <laughs> Dunner fans, we promise we weren't planning on this. So we, we got it all out. Mickey has been holding that in all year. We promise it's going to get more fun after that. Yeah. This is a safe space. <laughs> so what do you feel about Finch? Um, I I like him overall. Um his approach to offense can be a little frustrating because it's a lot of letting the guys play and read and react and play off of stuff like that. But the spacing and roster construction, I think is kind of put them in a really bad spot for that to thrive. Um, they just don't have the shooting that they did last year. The spacing isn't there, even though it was there last year when Jared Vanderbilt was a very similar player uh, to Rudy Gobert, obviously the height difference, but when you look at the shot profile from Jared Vanderbilt last year, it was the exact same almost as Rudy. So the, the vast disparity in their offensive flow and everything has been just super weird. Um, and it, it's just, I, I think it falls more on poor roster construction and a failure to understand the team from the higher levels and trying to make an all in move way too early um, than it does necessarily on Finch. I think Finch has done a, as good of a job as he possibly could have, but this season has been a complete, you know, it's, it sucks to be in the playoffs and say that the season has been a failure, but where the expectations were entering the year, it's been a failure. And if there are going to be big changes, you know, the trading Carl Anthony towns is always getting floated out there. Trading Rudy Gobert keeps getting floated out there. I don't, I'd be surprised if they do any of those. And that just kind of relegates the big move to the summer being does Finch go. I think it would be a mistake. I would like to see him with a f- actual t- off season and training camp and time with these guys when they're healthy, but the NBA is a fickle business. So you never know. Just to let you know, no one's taking Gobert off y'all's hands. Like y'all I know and the, you, you can't move them. Yeah. Say, y'all, where y'all where are those rumors? <laughs> yeah. No, it, it, it's more so people like floating stuff. Like they, yeah, they have to move them. And obviously, yeah, executives pride and the you know being the dealing with the sunk cost of it you're never going to get back what they paid which was absurd the day it happened and with that contract with how he played it's you're gonna lose immensely on it the only player to trade would be cat um if they move Jaden mcdaniels uh that'll be horrifying um but they're about to be paying like 150 million between Cat Gobert and Anthony Edwards in the next year or so. So, not not ideal. Nice. Yeah, as someone who was personally high on the Timberwolves coming into the year, I thought they would be a great regular season team. I thought yep. the playoffs would be another question. Uh, yeah, I mean the cat injury, of course, doesn't do any favors. Thankfully, like you mentioned, Anthony Edwards is ridiculous. So um, he's going to be one of the best guards in the league. We would know we have another one of those best guards in the league, uh, future All NBA first teamer this season. But yeah, it's been a joy to watch Ant. It's a shame that yeah, all the stuff around him feels like it's kind of crumbling. But yeah, I've seen a lot of the cat trade talk, and I mean like say the Timberwolves decided they were going to trade cat. Like, is there any type of package or player in particular that you're looking for to get back in return to kind of break up that big man duo? Like you said, I don't think they make any big moves. I think they just kind of say, Oh, we were unhealthy this season, but is there any type of like, like if you had to make a move using cat, like what kind of asset are you looking for? 
a, a perimeter player who can shoot, um, you know, just like the rest of the league is. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I fantasize about Mikhail Bridges coming over, but I, I think we do too. The, I, I think the Nets hang up that <laughs> phone does. call uh, within <laughs> seconds. Um, you know, N- New York always gets floated out there because of CAA and the Kentucky ties and all of that kind of stuff. Um, so I'm like, even like a package of like, God, Quinn Grimes, Emmanuel quickly, you know, whatever to make the salaries match. I, I think that would be kind of where I would lean towards, but I, I, I don't think you're going to get the, the value back that the Timberwolves would expect. Yeah. And plus, getting a lot like you'll probably get draft compensation and what they're trying to do now is build right. a compete like a competitive team so um yeah i guess alex saying ask if this is topic timberwolves in the chat then immediately disconnecting from the call accidentally <laughs> i pushed um, push the wrong button my bad <laughs> like, you're just like though, my dad. Uh, i did want, i did want to ask real quick uh, i want to ask rucker about the celtics for a yeah, second yeah uh, let's go i lived with uh a Celtics fan for years, one of my best friends. And uh, he somehow managed to convert all of our roommates into Celtics fans. So I would be oh, working on like YouTube videos and stuff. And they would be screaming Al Horford's name in my living room about five feet away. Uh, so I've, I know a lot of Celtics fans, but I was just going to ask, you know, how you feel. I mean, you must probably be feeling pretty good with the Bucks on the verge of elimination right now against the Heat going down 3-1 tonight. Um, so I was just gonna ask how you're feeling about, you know, their chances going forward, how you feel about this team at the moment and, you know, just kind of what your thoughts are on the Celtics in this season so far. Yeah. I'll, I'll try to be a little bit, you know, shorter and happier than Metcalf was, but uh, <laughs> I, I just answered the questions that we're asking. Yeah. Okay, I, I, I feel good about the Celtics. Obviously it'd be hard not to, um, I just really love what Stevens has done as a GM. It's been really shocking just how quickly he's been aggressive and, they're deep. Um, I'm not just trying to be biased, but the depth they have, you know, now they got Rob Williams is coming off the bench. They got Brogdon who's sixth man of the year. Derek White's playing fantastic. They just have a lot of lineups. They can roll at you. And I think it's, I always try to say like, I think Thunder fans should almost look at the Celtics with what they've done, where it comes to drafting and grooming and developing and, kind of get excited because I think that's the the vision Presti has of like, okay, let's build through the draft. Let's develop our guys, give them time. And the Celtics have done that over the years. And obviously they got a little lucky hitting on Tatum and hitting on Jalen Brown, but they've given those guys opportunities to, you know, develop some confidence and Boston looks fantastic. I think the, the, the team right now that can beat the Celtics is the Celtics. I mean, they've collapsed all the time when they get mm-hmm. big leads and, Third quarter Celtics are still my nightmare. And I don't know. I absolutely love the, just what they can do, what they can roll out at you. And coming into this year was crazy with the Udoka stuff. And I think Missoula has been fantastic. Um, mm. It's kind of been kind of that no nonsense type of guy that they've needed where he's also a player coach, but knows how to, knows how to grill you, but also build you up. And I think players adapt to that and respond to that. So definitely love what they're doing the the Bucks series is just like a holy cow because that was the team I was worried about as a fan and we'll see what happens I mean the playoffs are awesome but <laughs> yeah um, I'm excited about this one because I do think the Thunder are in a position where they're almost on that same path when it comes to building a team building a, a contender for years and I've loved what OKC's done I love Thunder fans every time you guys ask to come on this I'm like absolutely let's talk like I just love what Presti and this organization is doing 
I just want to remind you real quick, Rucker, that we dropped 150 plus on y'all without Shay. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's it's Um, fine, and you guys aren't in the playoffs, so it's okay. Technically, we need to play in. All right, Jerry, you just invited that. I watched that game and I said, "I'm gonna hear about this later in the cycle." (laughs) I know. (laughs) Hey, we. We beat maybe the eventual <laughs> NBA champions by like what? It was thirty-seven without Shea. I'll take that. Without if the Celtics <laughs> win, I was kind of hoping the Celtics won because Trey Mann last year had that like twenty-plus point quarter against Shaw, yes. and I had a tweet in mm. drafts for months that was like, <laughs> "Remember when Trey Mann dropped twenty-plus points in a quarter on the defending champion Boston Celtics?" So I'll have the other one in drafts until y'all win. But hey, that's then, fine. I'll take all of that smoke. It's it'll be well <laughs> worth it. I feel like I feel like the Thunder are now in their. Uh, they're drafting Robert Williams and Grant Williams phase. You know, they've already got, you know, hell, the Celtics had two superstars. They may have, you know, three or four superstars on their, you know, on their team already. Uh, so I just feel like, you know, it's, it's, we're, we're at that point where we're drafting, not necessarily role players, but we're drafting good starters and good, you know, reserve players. And we still have, you know, 15 picks left in our, you know, in our war chest. So, very excited and, and very excited to see what uh, what you guys say about our, our future uh, draft prospects. I, and you know, before we jump right into the draft, I mean, let's let's talk about the Thunder for a little bit. So before yep. before we talk about the season, I, I'm going to ask everybody that is on this our draft coverage this question because I just want to see the variety of answers. Uh, could you guys do me a favor and tell me who the head coach of the Oklahoma City Thunder is? Oh gosh, I can't say his last name. <laughs> Mark. <laughs> I call him Mark. Mark Dagnall? Yeah. I love Mark. Not Blank there, guys. I got, I'm, thinking of, I'm thinking of my 98th <laughs> prospect on my big board, so I'm sorry. I had a brain fart right there. But I know Mark. Mark's one of the, I think, top coaches in the league Like when it comes yeah. to guys that deserves a little bit more respect. And I think you're seeing what he can do with this team. And now all of a sudden it's like, okay, looks like OKC found one for a very long time. So I love what he's done as a coach. And – Another guy that Presti allowed to kind of learn throughout the grind and grow with his team. And man, they're they're gonna be so much fun next year, especially with getting the big boy back. I'm I'm very excited about this team. Yeah, for sure, man. And it's Mark Dagnalt for Dag- you know Dagnalt. future reference. Dagnalt. Just remember the Dag, right? Yeah. But um Everyone will know his name. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Coach of the year runner up, baby. Let's get it. Um there you go. yeah. Rucker, I'm, I'm going to start with you on this one. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, uh, there was an elephant uh, missing in the room uh, in you know the aforementioned Chet Holmgren. Uh, how much do you think that, you know, not benefited him being off the court because obviously it would have benefited him being on the court, but what do you think he um, – how do you think he benefited from being off the court and uh, what do you think he adds to this team next year? Oh, gosh. Um, you know, it's always tough when – when guys like that miss a year, especially the rookie year, because they're so excited and seeing him in summer league, he was everything I thought he was going to be. He looked fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think Chet from everything you heard behind the scenes is one of those guys that's, you know, he's possessed when it comes to work ethic and he heard all the noise. He, you, you can't ignore the fact that if you're a guy like Chet, you're hearing all the Paulo Bancaro talk all year. You're like, okay, come on. I was supposed to be in the running for rookie of the year. Next year, he's here and everyone talk about Victor Wimanyama and, and Scoot Henderson and all these guys. So he wants to remind everyone like who Chet Holmgren is. And I think, mm-hmm. gosh, he, he's just going to be so awesome to watch. I, I 
feel like there was just the gigantic hole this year of like fandom when it comes to watching this draft class. I was like, man, Chet would have been just a blast with this team. And I think the defensive upside that he's going to present with who they're going to get in the lottery too. um, They have a shot to really take a big step forward, not just adding Chet, but if you get the right piece with wherever they end up in the lottery, I think it's going to make life way easier for this team. And, and, those are whoever they get with their lottery pick, but Chet is going to make life easier for everyone else. Like everyone's mm-hmm. going to get better because of him. Cause it's not just his outside shooting. It's the, the defensive awareness, the communication, the intangibles, the playmaking. Um, he's just going to be one of those guys. That's just, everyone's all of a sudden going to step on the court and they're better because of him. And that's, that's what I think of him. And I think Metcalf, you're probably in the same boat as me when it, when it comes to that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like when you look at what the Thunder struggled with this year is defensive rebounding and rim protection, two things that he excelled at and was kind of touted for as a prospect. Mm -hmm. Um, He's the best rim protector I've ever scouted in terms of the NBA draft. Um, His ability to stay vertical, time his rotations, use his length perfectly, his ability to assess and close space was elite. Um, and his ball location ability on actually like when you, he, when he swatted down on shots, it was because he was getting the ball. It wasn't just reckless stuff where he's flailing at limbs. It was to get the ball and he was patient until he did that. So th- this year off sucks because I, I never think guys missing time is good. I'm big proponent of you just have to learn through mistakes, learn through the reps mm-hmm. and play through it all. Um, but you know, the big knocks on him were, well, he's skinny. And I think this time, hopefully he'll come back adding good weight, um, not, you know, immense amounts that his frame can't handle. I don't think Mm -hmm. the Thunder would do that to him. And I don't think he's the type of guy who would unnecessarily do that. So I'm not really concerned about it. So I think he's going to come back physically stronger in the right ways. And, you know, this kind of sounds weird for a rookie being out with, you know, SGA who is a little more seasoned, but Chet being out freed up a lot of space for guys like Jalen Williams and SGA and Josh Giddy to really take over and expand their games in ways that they maybe necessarily wouldn't have been able to if he was out there and taking on the usage that a player or a prospect of his caliber would demand. So now he's able to kind of slide slide in a little more effectively, kind of like he did at Gonzaga, and just fill in the holes that they have without overtaxing himself and trying to do more than he necessarily can and more than they necessarily need him to. And I think, and I also think one good thing about Chet being out is there are players who can sit out an entire year and not gain anything from being on the bench, watching the game, so on and so forth. Like I think someone like Zion, you know, someone like Zion, he's, you know, he's, he's, he's a beast out there. He just has natural, you know, just genetics that just, you know, he's just a freak out there. But I don't think the mental aspect of the game or the aspect of, hey, I'm sitting on this bench, let me watch this game, helps him out that much. Chet, on the other hand, I think is the type of player, the type of cerebral player that that time on the bench, even though he's out, even though he's injured, is actually a good thing for him in order to kind of get more, you know, the seasoning of the game, the nuances of the game. Um, And so I, I do think that this year, even though it sucked that he was out, could prove to be a lot more beneficial in the long run than it is, you know, for another, for any other player in the league. 
Yeah, and and, and I, to go off of what Metcalf said too, I I think that's a big a big area that a lot of people don't realize too is like tying it back to the Celtics. You know, Gordon Hayward doesn't get hurt, Jason Tatum doesn't get all that run his rookie year, and, and we might not have gotten that Jason Tatum explosion early on. And now we saw with Jalen Williams this year for for OKC. Now Chet all of a sudden gets to come in and doesn't have to be the guy that carries it offensively because now he's going to have all these weapons around him. So I, I don't know if Chet's going to be this guy that comes in and averages 20 a game. Cause I don't think that's necessarily what you want early on. You want him to be the, Oh, he had three blocks. He had four blocks. He had, you know, five assists, um, space the floor opens things up and just everyone, you know, gravitates to him that opens up life for everybody else on the court. And I think Chet is the one that he had success in summer league. He's been working all off season, probably like Alex is saying mental reps, even when you're not playing and getting the playbooks down because, you know, rookies come in and their heads are spinning because they're trying to get adjusted to the playbook and life in the NBA and Chet's had things slow down and, you know, everyone's going to focus about his weight. I think Metcalf put it the right way. Like he's going to add good weight and Mm -hmm. it might not be the 30 pounds that everyone's like, Oh, why can't he put on the weight that Giannis does? And it's because Giannis is a freak and that doesn't happen all the time. But I think Chet's going to put on that good weight where it's like, okay, let's not put too much stress on his lower frame, but he's on the right path. And I I think he's in for a big year. I'd say, well, (laughs) if Chet was with the Rockets, I would be concerned, All right? Super concerned, but he's with the Thunder. And it's a top-notch, organiz- top-notch organization that knows what the hell they're doing at the end of the day. We're, we're no dummies here in OKC. Um, that's being the only one here. Uh, there's a lot of idiots in Kentucky, though, I hear. All right. Um, we're, we're just taking shots everywhere, man. <laughs> Zion and freaking right. Rockets and the whole state of Kentucky. No, yeah. All right, I see you. But, but I meant that in seriousness, though, that, like, Chet's in the right spot where he's supposed to be at. You know what I mean? Like he's he's definitely with the team that's in the the right frame of mind, the the, the right people around them to make him successful long term, even with the setback. So, uh, yeah, that was my only two cents there. Yeah, uh, let, let's move on to the uh, other big name rookie. Uh, actually, I guess you could say the bigger name rookie this year uh, in Jalen Williams, uh, the man of many names. You call him J Dub Dub, J Teletubby, Santa, like some people have been known to call him. Uh, you know, he, he had a really, I mean, he, he kind of blew the, the doors off the place, man. Like second place and most rookie of the year ballots. Um, obviously, you know, going into like the pre-draft cycle, I think he was like mocked like middle of the second round and we had like one of the most like meteoric sudden rises I've seen out of our prospect jumping up to pick 12, uh, Metcalf, man. I mean, what did you expect this out of Jalen Williams in year one? Um, yeah, yes and no. Um, mm. n- no, because you, you never really expect rookies to come in and make this big of an impact, especially guys from smaller schools. There's usually a little more aggressive learning curve and adjustment to facing better athletes and, you know, bigger opponents every single game. You, you know, he obviously got a taste of it. It's not like he went to some bum program, but it wasn't every single game that he was facing it. And mm-hmm there just really wasn't a learning curve for him and everything that he kind of showed at Santa Clara translated really seamlessly. Um, 
the what really stood out to me uh, that I didn't necessarily see at Santa Clara was his explosiveness and how mm-hmm. much of a vertical athlete he really was. But the ball handling, the scoring, the defense, the passing, all of that translated right away. And it was a lot of what we saw him doing at Santa Clara all season because he was he grew up a point guard and then had a big growth spurt that kind of moved him up a couple of positions and those ball skills translated and grew with him. So he's able to slide into this roster right away. And he fits the type of player that the thunder continuously draft guys with size, skill, versatility, and IQ. And it, it, it fit perfectly. And it just immediately gelled with everyone else on that roster. Yeah, it was Incredible, because I remember a lot of Thunder fans, me included, actually were talking about maybe wanting to see him start from the get-go because theoretically his skills fit in really well. You know, when Chet got hurt, that even seemed like more of a possibility. But I mean, the fact that he was able to start, because the biggest question in people's mind was, okay, who moves to the bench? Because, mm-hmm. you know, he can't play really play the four like that. And then he spent all season playing the four, providing those skills that you were talking about. And just like from the get-go, he was impactful. And then by the end of the season, just ridiculous impact for a rookie. Um, It's just hard to state as a Thunder fan, like how fun it was to watch him progress over the course of a season. Because obviously, like you mentioned, a lot of these skills were things that seemed like could translate eventually, but to do it all. And, you know, Paolo's probably going to nearly unanimously win rookie of the year. I know that one guy from the Jazz, the Salt Lake Tribune, voted for Walker Kessler over him. So he won't win unanimously. But the fact that J-Dub kind of made it an interesting race at one point with how well Paolo played, I think, speaks to how great he was. And it's okay. Chet will just win Rookie of the Year next year over Victor, so it's fine. Yes, absolutely. And, uh, you know, just just so we don't talk about the entire rookie class for, like, you know, the entire rest of the podcast, like, let's just touch very quickly on Usman Jang and Jalen Williams. Uh, Rucker, I think uh, Metcalf said it best in in your all's podcast that Usman Jang, he believed year one was going to be a complete disaster, um, but it's going to be, you know, the years after year one. What what did you see in year one Usman Jang that could get Thunder fans excited for the next couple of years? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think me and Metcalf, when we said that we're trying to be negative, I think this year was just going to, it was exactly what I thought it was. No, be. no, no. I, I yeah. wasn't saying y'all was being negative. I was no, saying no, like yeah. you were projecting. I, well, I just, I just wanted to make sure that we're never yeah, yeah. rooting against anyone. But I think this is exactly what it was going to be. He needed to get reps. Um, got some flashes up with the big club. Played a lot in the G League. I think you're, you're just like develop some confidence. Um, hopefully, he has a full off season now. You, I would imagine he's a summer league guy. I hope, and you mm-hmm. get him out there, and he. You know, we always root for the guys that play two games and all of a sudden they get the, okay, shut it down. You've done enough. We, we love what we've seen. And I think it's just one of those a raw talent that you, you wanted to get him some confidence throughout the year. And when you get that confidence, you want to build off of it. And that's what I always love about OKC is they seem to give guys the ability to learn through mistakes, learn through experience. And I think Zhang's going to be one of those guys. I, I, I think they're going to have a lot of guys that are going to be nasty with another, you know, a full off season. I think Zhang's up there right away. Um, obviously the other Jalen Williams was showing some flashes. I still think he's going to be a really good rotation piece for them. Um, and then J-Dub, you know, I just, I thought the world of him coming in as a prospect, I'm not trying to say like, I knew this was going to happen. I thought he was going to be one of those guys that showed flashes throughout the year. And then at the end of the year, we were like, whoa, this guy might be a sophomore breakout candidate. So 
like we're talking about the fact that it hit so smoothly and, and all of a sudden what he was doing at the end of the year, like Cone said with even being in the conversation with Paulo, it's like goodness. So OKC is in a great spot now where you're, I think a lot of fans need to realize they might not chase potential. They might be chasing to get that next connecting piece, which mm-hmm. it could on draft day be like, Whoa, do they reach for this guy? And it's like, well, no, because now they're trying to get the specific skill sets to, to put the pieces together. And um, I think J-Dub was kind of the first move or movement towards that where they took him a little earlier and people were like, what? But it was like, well, look what Pressy just did. Like this is, you're getting another really good asset that brings all the ingredients together. For sure. And before we move into like this year's draft, I just got to ask Metcalf. Uh, you got Jalen Williams out of Arkansas, man. Uh, you know, we kind of talked uh, like off pod on Twitter a couple of times in DMs about, um, you know, the joke that you made aside, like I'm not talking about that, but like the fact that he was able to actually yeah. bring the skill of taking a charge to mm-hmm. the NBA, like how, how shocked were you? I, I wasn't really shocked, um, especially when it didn't necessarily translate to the postseason. Um, oh, come but on. No, no, but it, it he, he really outperformed and was more effective than what I anticipated. But it's a real testament to how cerebral and how smart of a player he is on both ends of the floor because you saw mm-hmm. it with his connective passing on offense and his ability to rebound. Um, and, and he was really, really effective defensively with his ability to take charges, um, especially late in the year. So you know, I don't want my starting center. I don't want that to be their primary form of defense, mm-hmm. but when he's not going to be their starting center. And once check comes back, who knows what they do in the draft or the off season and free agency, if he's your second or third guy and he's coming in for 10 to 15 minutes a game, drawing two to three offensive fouls, grabbing six rebounds, a couple assists, a couple points. And that you dream about backup centers who can do stuff like that. Um, and then you know that with his IQ, he's not going to, take you out of games in those minutes he may not be a a huge positive necessarily on a season-long basis but you know he's not going to be this disaster negative where it's like oh god okay well he's hit a six minute mark let's yank him out immediately it's like oh he's rolling a little bit let's leave him out there an extra couple minutes and see what happens all right man i love it i love it i i mean uh just kind of like overarching grade for last year's draft like after you've seen a season how would you guys grade Presti's draft uh a minus only because it, i think it would be higher if chet played yes i, I mean yeah. I, I don't know what else that would They're, help yeah they potentially got um i i think a, an all-star and j-dub down the road i think they got Zhang, who's your developmental piece that has real serious upside. And they might've got an unbelievable rotation big and Jalen Williams. And then if Chet delivers, I mean, that's a, that's looking like an all time class for OKC fans. Like you might look back at that and be like, man, what a haul we had there. So I don't yeah. know. That's a minus for me. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say about the same. And that's with a big incomplete in chat. I mean, yeah. I, we, we both, we all expect him to be really good next year. And there's still the wild card aspect of Usman Jang, where we probably won't really get a really good sense of who he's going to be as a player for another year or two. And if he, God, if he hits, then we're talking a plus, 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 plus territory. I need it. I need it. <laughs> the Jang gang needs it. This is Dylan from the future. Well, or the past, I guess, depending when you're listening to this. But we're going to take a quick break. Top Thunder will return after a brief word from our sponsors. Um, all right, guys. 
Well, we, we've talked about 30 minutes about everything, but the draft we've tiptoed around it. Like, let's dive right into it. Obviously, uh, there's a big name at the top of the board. Uh, I got to say, three years ago when everybody was talking about Kay Cunningham and Evan Mobley and dreaming for them in the lottery, our very own Champagne Jerry was enamored by a seven-foot three kid nailing threes over Rudy Gobert. So I'm going to let Jerry kick off the draft question literally the worst stroke i've ever seen three years ago but you couldn't stop it because he's so tall um but uh yeah victor we're we're talking about victor for all you plebeians out there um but you know kind of the first question is you know if you're a gm who didn't get the number one lottery pick which is going to be us i understand um but in seriousness though what is too much in terms of a bid for victor and i kind of want to add a caveat to this too uh, where would the Thunder need to fall at and spend to move to number one? Like, what would be like their their lowest drop? You think? I'm talking crazy right now. Yeah, <laughs> I'm I'm being silly with this, but I think that it's it's as crazy as it sounds. It's unprecedented that a team has 15 first round picks over the next five years and owns the Clippers dynasty after the next two. So. That's why I'm asking this question. Nick, if you want to start, I don't, I don't. Uh, <laughs> I, I the, the, My problem is the stupid lottery thing where it's like, if you move up, you can't, you have to be in this certain range always gives me a headache. So it's like, if they move up, can they be, can they not get to like a certain number or something? I I hate it where it's like, Oh, you, you're either one through four or we can be one through four and 12 through 14. Thank you. Okay. Um, problem is with victor is if you're (laughs) buying it if you're buying the the hype and you're presty let's just say okc like i I don't know is there a limit of first because if you're saying well chet's gonna work um and i buying into victor being a superstar i i don't know I don't know if there's a number. Like, I, I think if you're saying like, okay, I have all the pieces. Um, and I, I, I'm buying into Victor being a potential NBA superstar for years to come with Chet next to him. I don't know. Obviously, if you're getting into a crazy number of like, you know, above six first or something, then you're getting scary. But if a team was going to try to trade Victor, they would have to be, it would have to be a godfather offer which mm-hmm. is probably getting some names involved that OKC fans would not want to give away. So that's all, that's all you got to say. Robert. Yeah, that's, 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 that's what I would say. You, <laughs> my favorite line to say to fans is in order to get something, you have to give something you mm-hmm. don't want to give away. So um, I don't know. Metcalf, you got anything? I would imagine the only untouchables would be Chad and SGA and which hurts to say, Thunder, or hear, Thunder fans, I understand, but I would probably agree but, with that. I think those are the two. But mm-hmm. it also wouldn't surprise me if they ended up on the table. Yeah. I, 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 I think discussion, they... boys. And in discussion. <laughs> Let's go on to the next question, because that was a really terrible question written by Dylan. No, Hunter, no, it, it's ask. a good one, because it's no, it, going it's... to be considered and discussed yeah. by fans, and it's just, it, if you had the number one pick, what would it take to get... Like if you if the Thunder got the number one pick and someone was trying to trade up, what would it take to get away from the Victor? And that is a very heavy question. If the if Presti was thinking of Victor and Chet together, he'd probably be like, I don't know if there is a trade. 
Yeah, I mean, like before the season, uh, I, I saw hypotheticals on the timeline. Like, if we got number one and the Pelicans got number six, and this was before Zion like was out for half the year, like he was, you know, coming on strong or whatever. And it's like, would we give up pick number one for pick six and Zion? And and everybody's just like, no, like absolutely not. And like that's like any other draft, that's a ridiculous trade package. Yeah, yeah it's. I've like, I've seen so many people talk about um, like this draft and like whenever I've talked to a Victor on YouTube and stuff like that, people are talking about like, oh, you know, we could always trade up for him and this and that. I really don't believe if any team gets number one, there is not an offer that someone can offer to make like. I don't think it's like physically possible to trade up for Victor because I'm one of the believers in the hype. I fully bought in. I think he's a generational type player and like any of those teams that could get the number one overall pick, like within recent or not recent within like reasonable uh, odds, no one, they're not going to give like him up unless the Mavericks go crazy and offer like a Luca or something like that. Then a guy like him, or if the Bucks like offered Giannis, which neither of those things would happen, but I think it would take a player like that and maybe even then some for a team to be willing to move on. But like, I just, I don't know. That's why whenever I see other Thunder fans talk about like, you know, like all we have to do is get to that top four and we can trade up. I'm like, it is not physically <laughs> possible to do that. We would have to give up Shea. And even then a team might say no, like, yeah. Yeah. Cause you don't want to be the GM that, passed up on the unit exactly like you don't if he turns into if he turns into literal god himself like it seems possible <laughs> and you traded that away like your job is over like exactly. you're never getting another one yeah I, I would say Giannis and luca would probably be the names that would be but it also like everyone would overreact like what are you guys talking about but it's like okay well also those guys are making probably 50 million a year so you're also having to open up that door for mm-hmm. a gm to be like okay where's 50 million a year fitting into our budget like well, yeah, but then you look at the teams in the top five, Detroit, Houston, San Antonio, Charlotte, Portland. What What is a player like that going to do for them? That doesn't yeah. take them over the edge. Whereas mm-hmm. like I'm, four of those five have really young cores that they're trying to build towards the future with. Why, a win now player doesn't do anything for them. So that, that I think that's where it becomes even more interesting, where it's like not necessarily what would you be willing to give up, but what would these teams be willing to accept? That is definitely fair, man. Um, Cone, you, you was going to ask about Scoot, I think. Yeah, so uh, obviously, you know, Victor's the big name. And beyond mm-hmm. him, for the most part, it's Scoot that most people are looking at number two. For me, he's the clear second guy. And um, I'm sure y'all are well aware of seeing it on Twitter because I'm not a big draft Twitter guy. And I've seen it a ton. And there's a lot of people, like, picking Scoot's game apart, trying to, like, mm-hmm. it almost feels like people are looking for reasons for him not to be number two. I know Brandon Miller has been talked about a lot as a number two guy. Me personally, as someone who is not as involved in the draft as y'all are, I think it's crazy the idea of taking Brandon Miller over Scoot Henderson with the second overall pick. I think that's a fireable offense. Let me know if I'm crazy or not. Like, what do y'all think about Scoot and the comparison between him and Brandon Miller and a little bit of that hype that people are trying to build is Scoot maybe not being that lock at number two? I don't think it's close. Mm-hmm. I, I, I have Scoot at two. Um I think I think everyone's bored because Victor's one, so everyone's trying to figure out what to mm-hmm. talk about. Now it's coming down to Scoot and Brandon Miller, and I'm not trying to throw shade at Brandon Miller because I think he's fantastic. I think he's got superstar upside, but 
I've been saying all year with Metcalf, I think Victor and Scoot have franchise altering potential. Like I think the world of Scoot, I saw him in person this year against Victor. Um, his frame is freakish. I mean, he's going to be just dishing out, you know, punishment. Like he's, he's six, three ish. Um, he's lengthy as heck. He is ripped. He's bulky. Um, and, and he just, Oh gosh. I, I just can't believe people are going to try to talk his game down. I me and Mick have talked all year, like the strides he's taken as a playmaker. He's going to have two years of NBA like experience under his belt. He's young. He's a, a Ferrari in the open court. And all of a sudden he hits the alpha burners and it's a jet taken off. And it's like Westbrook. I mean, he's Westbrook with, I think a, a more upside with his outside shot. Cause like what he improved from last year to this year with his outside shot is ridiculous. And everyone wants to point out, well, like, oh, he only shot 32, 34% for three. And I'm like, he shot 17% last year from three. Like, he was 17 years old. Um, I, I think he has the tools to be, and, and his mentality. Everything you hear about him is he's just has the right mentality to be a, a franchise tone setting point guard. So um, I'm trying to stay on top. But yeah, it, that's the conversation that gets me going crazy because I'm like, it, it's, it's pretty easy for me. My one, two, three Metcalf go, go with anything I miss. Now no, I'm fired up. So i mean, like the, the, the argument for Miller is obviously it's a wings league. And when you can, if you can get a six, nine guy who shoots the way he does, um, who also has an awesome mid range game um, that he really dominated with all through high school that he didn't get to show at Alabama because they don't play that way. Um, who's a really good rebounder, smart passer. I can get that argument, but not when it's against scoot. And the, the the Russell Westbrook with Scoot is the easy one, the one that we've made a lot, but he's a, I think his basketball IQ is higher than Russ's. I think his shooting projection is higher than Russ's. I think his defense is better. I think his off ball movement is better. I think his ability to shift and mold the way that he plays is really special. He just understands the game at such a freaking high level. And then he has some of the best athletic tools in this draft um, to go along with that. I just, I, I do, don't see how you can pass him up at two, regardless of what team you are, because he is that franchise point guard type guy who can really lead, not just perform at a high level, but really lead your young team into the future and make them what you want them to be, because he is so willing to do whatever is needed of him on the court on either end that it, it's special. If he was six, six, I think he would be in the argument for number one. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's nice to know that I'm not alone. And every time I see another one of those reports that there's a real chance that Brandon Miller goes two over scoot. Like, I feel like I'm losing my mind. <laughs> I just don't understand it. Like you said, Brandon Miller is incredible, yes. but everything yes. that I've seen from Scoot and my mind just always goes back to that duel that y'all were talking about between him and Victor. Like every time someone mentions Brandon Miller going to my brain just goes back to that. I'm like, how do you pass up on this player? If he's available for you with the second overall pick. So I'm, it's nice to know I'm not out of my <laughs> mind on that. Though he had a good, uh, I think it was, I think it was GQ. He had a good article. Um, mm-hmm. And he, they, basically asked him like about around that time when everyone's talking about Brandon Miller going to, and he's just like March madness. No one's got, they got to find something to talk about. Like, and I think it's just <laughs> the mentality he's had all year. Um, Pooh Jeter in that article says all the time, like 
dude is just the old, he's such an old soul. He's just relentless with his work ethic, his mentality. And I think you're going to see all that. I, I really do believe it's like, you, you got to just take him at two. Um, I know there's some potential headaches where it's like, if Charlotte gets there, if Detroit's there, but it's like, I think he's such a good guy. You got to just take him. Like you, you have to, you cannot pass him up. So um, and, and I love Brandon Miller. I think there's so much stuff that we didn't see in Brandon Miller's game this year. Like Metcalf was hinting at, and but I just think the world is good. I, I really do. I I could. You can't find. Everyone wants to say this. It's oh, you can always find a point guard. You can't find this point guard. You cannot mm-hmm. find this point guard in every draft. Like that's a plus seven wingspan with that kind of explosiveness and the mentality and tangibles. Like I, I think it's a slam dunk. Whoever gets him. Quite literally, actually. Yeah. No pun intended. Um, yeah. Uh, kind of touching on Brandon Miller. You know, obviously mm-hmm. he's been the, uh, uh, well, even before I get into that, like, you know, going into the season as he's like going crazy, like going haywire, you know, dropping like 30, 40 point games all over the place, SEC play, what have you. This was a guy that I was ready to trade the farm for. Like I was ready to trade like three, four first round picks, move up or whatever position we're at to get him. Cause I was like, he's the missing piece. He fits us perfectly, both sides of the ball, everything. Now, obviously, he's been the subject of a lot of controversy here lately. Uh, just just kind of want to ask, you know, what's your all's read on that? It's tough. Um, I feel like me and Metcalf have talked about it kind of on the air, off the air, or all the no ceilings guys have talked about it. Um, everything I've heard is great kid, hard worker, um, just a really – strange scenario and it's obviously just a tragedy and um Mm -hmm. something that should have been never existed and it's just tough but when we're talking about just brandon miller as the prospect everything you hear is he's a great kid Mm -hmm. um obviously nba teams are going to do their homework um i know they already have been doing it they're going to do it again they're going to probably interview him at the combine he's going to have to answer all these questions and we'll see what happens with, with that week. A lot of stuff can all of a sudden get interesting with reports leaking and stuff. But um, from everything I've heard, he's great kid and checks the boxes, but that is the elephant in the room that is going to need to be uh, readdressed with probably Brandon answering in front of executives about it before they invest millions and millions of dollars in a teenager. I mean, it obviously wasn't a good thing today with another thing happening with Alabama. Like it's just, all of a sudden that came back into the conversation and um, just, just a, it, it was just a dark moment with college basketball and life itself. So, I, I mean, it's, I don't know. It's, it's just tough. Yeah. And just piggybacking off that, everything you hear about him, even just going back to when he was in high school, hard worker, great teammate, great kid. And that's all we can really go off of. And what, the legal outcome is. And as of right now, legally he's okay. Um, mm. is a horrible situation. Shouldn't have never have happened. NBA teams are going to do their homework and figure it out. I just got one opinion on that. <laughs> Any team that touches that regardless of the, the outcome legally, right? Cause we know that Alabama is a good old boys kind of state. And there's only one thing that they care about. And that's the rolling tide in Alabama they can cover this up very, very easily. I hate saying that, but in today's climate, it happens a lot. We're dealing with it in Oklahoma right now. 
um, in southeastern Oklahoma where these smaller areas are able to do this. If I'm a GM, I'm not touching you just because you were even associated with that situation. And if you do get drafted, you're falling way back because you don't deserve that money or anything because that should have been at the front of your mind before going to go drive to your buddy and go give him what supposedly was his to begin with. And that's the excuse that we're falling on. I'm very passionate about that deal. Uh, is he a great basketball player? Absolutely. So is Gilbert Arenas. All right. There's, there's a lot of great basketball players that just didn't have it up here, and that's what's going to scare me from him all the way. Um, great, though. Yeah, he should be number three. You know what I mean? He might be number two, but I would just I, – I just I just hate that situation. I hate the whole thing. It's just – it's stupid. I couldn't imagine. I'm, I'm five foot seven. Make me six nine, please. Right now, God. Make it happen. I will do whatever it takes. I will serve food at food – banks every single day of my life just to make sure that I get myself in a good position with the executives and everything. So I don't know. I, I think that he shouldn't even be in discussion in the lottery and, and I'm just a big jerk about it, but that's okay. Yeah, Dylan, I, I you're a big jerk about a lot of, things. <laughs> hey, no, but, hey, but you're, you're not going to be alone, Jerry. There's going to be yeah. some executives that as much as everyone's going to be like, Hey, he, everything checks out. They're gonna be like, I don't care. Yeah, it just is. That's how quick it could happen. And, and all it takes is one guy to be like, no, I don't want to risk it. I don't want to do it. You know, maybe someone. It's it's always crazy at the top of the draft. Those GMs usually need that security. They they can't afford to miss. So some of those guys might do all the homework and then be like, I, I just don't feel good about it. And yeah. it's not saying that we would agree with it, but there's all it takes is one team to pass. And then all of a sudden it's like, what's going on? Is there something else that? You never know. He's definitely the one you got to keep an eye on because all of a sudden we're going to start getting reports. Yeah. And this is exactly what happens around the combine and the pre-draft workouts. We start getting those rumors, those reports, sources. It's the scary part of the year. And obviously with Brandon Miller, he's kind of got a target on his back from what happened this year. And we're going to have to see how it plays out. But from everything I've heard and I've been checking in because I'm trying to figure out like, okay, is there something here? And everyone's like, hey, great kid. Everything's checked out. I'm like, wow. Okay. Yeah. We move on. Yeah. We shall see. Yeah. Drop related question. Jerry mentioned making him six nine. If God made Jerry six nine right now, where is he going on y'all's big board? Um, I'd have him probably lottery. Just okay. from first step, like Jerry, Steve Nash. Well, Jerry yeah. seems like a good locker room guy, so I'd probably have him at late lottery, maybe with a okay. potential riser with a strong pre-draft process. Okay. Um, you can ask those two. I'm only 5'7", and I hooped over everybody on the court uh, while being drunk off of champagne. So Okay, so uh, locker room cancer. Now <laughs> yeah. He immediately fails the pre-draft. <laughs> Jerry has fallen out. The uh, undrafted free failed. agent. <laughs> Screw it. The, the heat will the heat will pick him up. He'll have a great couple game run, get a seventy million dollar contract. That's how it happens. Screw it. I'm going to the Rockets. That's what uh, no, but but just to change gears here, you know. So outside of the top three, uh, who's just your favorite prospect personally? Jarris. Jarris. Easy. Uh, he he's closer to two than five. Um, I have him at four. He's it it. it the math didn't work out. Right I was about to say statistically, uh, that is not correct. You didn't know work what out. you know what I mean. God, you're <laughs> such an ass. I have him at four um, two, so I was like, that, that math doesn't work out for me either. Um, no, if, if you view it in tiers and you know gaps between guys and all that you. stuff, okay. yeah, you're just being an asshole. So, um, <laughs> so we do. 
No, he he's terrific, and there is I, I think he showed about fifty to sixty percent of what he's capable of at Houston this year. Mm. I love, love Jerry's. Absolutely love him. I'm, I'm right there with Metcalf. Um, I know there's some people that have some wildish takes on Jerry's that I don't agree with, but I, I absolutely love him. Um, another name I'll throw out there is I'm, I'm a big Casey Mullis guy. I absolutely let's love go, Mullis, baby. So, um, I, I just think those are both guys that are going to play a long, long time at the next level and contribute in a lot of ways. So, but I will continue to dream about the Thunder somehow getting Jairus Walker for months. You know, we I've already had the countdown. I need Presti to figure it out and put him and Chet together. Yeah, I magical. Think, I think actually whenever we had you guys, it was me and Cohen actually talking to you guys before the season. And, uh, you know, whenever we was like, who's your ideal prospect going into the year? And it was Jairus Walker then, it's Jairus Walker now. So I love it. I love it. I need it. Um all right, well, let's let's get into, uh, you know, just the lottery in general, man. So right now we're at the 12th spot, which means we can jump into the top four or we can end up being 12 to 14. Fun fact, we have a better chance, better odds of jumping into the top four than we do falling back to 14. So that's good, at least. Um, but anyways, could you briefly give us your top 14 as of now? As, um, as briefly as you can if if you don't have your big board ready if you don't no. have it prepared it's whatever um sure i'll go with top 14 um i've it. got victor at one scoot henderson at two brandon miller at three jaris walker at four cam whitmore at five mm. asar Anamen thompson at six and seven Kaysen wallace at eight Keontae George at nine taylor hendricks at 10 anthony black at 11 jet howard at 12 Jordan Hawkins at 13, and I have Kobe Bufkin at 14. Okay. I like it. I love Case right. Wallace at the high, by the way. Go ahead. <laughs> God, Dylan's not going to stop talking about Case and Wallace's entire pre <laughs> process. Into the Case Wallace hour. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, I got Victor at one, Scoot at two, Brandon Miller at three, Jairus Walker at four, Cam Whitmore at five, Keontae George at six, Taylor Hendricks at seven, Jet Howard at eight. Kaysen Wallace at 9, Kobe Bufkin at 10, Anthony Black at 11, Amen Thompson at 12, Grady Dick at 13, and Asar Thompson at 14. Wow, you weren't kidding about getting lethal at the Thompson twin rankings, Metcalf. Gosh, Man. Thunder yeah. fans just literally found you on Twitter while listening to this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> All right, well, hey, I, I got to ask. So we obviously know like your ideal fit for the Thunder in the entire draft well, I mean, besides like Victor Wimanyama, but is uh, Jairus Walker. And I'm, I'm sure that's your favorite fit for the lottery. So I'm going to say, aside from Jairus Walker, who is your favorite fit in the lottery for the Thunder? Aside from Jairus Walker in the top three, let's let, let's just put them over to the side a little bit. And for, for me, it's been one that we've talked about for a couple of months now, and it's Taylor Hendricks. Yeah. Uh, freshman out of UCF. Um, I'm 6'9". Awesome spot up shooter, really good rim protector, really, really high um, defensive potential. Uh, as the season went on, he loose, he got more flexible with his movements, was able to move his feet better, uh, defended more consistently on the perimeter, and then was just a nasty weak side shot blocker. So offensively, his game is really simple right now. Um, mm-hmm. Really effective on post ups, which you know you're not going to see a whole lot of. But if he gets a mismatch, it's something he can exploit. Um, but then just a really, really 
consistent off-ball shooter um, at size and doesn't really try to do too much. Um, so just I, I think his defensive upside, his ability to protect the rim, and then that ability to, pro- to, to provide that floor spacing for the Thunder, I, I think it's a perfect fit. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with Hendricks. I, I think in a weird way, it's my favorite fit for both because it makes mm. a lot of sense for both. Like Hendricks could slide next to Chet and almost just continue to do what he did at UCLF you know, and not be like force fed. And you have to create a bunch of offense, just kind of like pick your spots when you're open for three, step out, pick and pop threat. Um, him and Chet together with the defensive potential would be so much fun. And that's a lot of talent. And I think that's where I'm trying to say with OKC, like they might be looking for that, that last piece of the puzzle where it's not, you're swinging for like complete upside with the Asar Thompson's or the Cam Whitmore's stuff like that. But you might be getting Hendricks in with like, okay, we got a lot of pieces already in place. Chet's coming in. If we can just get that guy next to Chet to really have us cooking with something. And I feel like Taylor Hendricks is one of my favorite fits there. Yeah, I, I love the idea of him and Chet just, like, closing down the lane, like, just daring somebody to come into the lane. Um, is, is Jeremy Grant, like, OKC Jeremy Grant, like, an accurate player comp for him? I think half I, you're better with pro comps. Yeah, I mean, that that's kind of the trajectory that you'd like his career to go on because mm-hmm. I the obviously now Jeremy's turned into such a better ball handler and mm-hmm. kind of individual shot creator, and – Hendricks doesn't have any of that in his game right now. Um, just really limited ball handler. Um, all of his scoring either comes on post-ups or spot up threes, basically. Yeah. So, but at the same time, I don't think you'd really be asked to do too much of that. So mm. behind the scenes in practice, off season, all that stuff, that's something he can really work on and grow his game because he's going to be put into spots. I mean, the, the Thunder have shown year over year now that they put their young guys in spots to succeed and to do what they're best at while in game and develop the other stuff outside of it. So yeah, that's kind of the path that you want him to go on because when you get a six, nine guy who can shoot like that, you want him to be able to create his own shot in some form or fashion, even if it's just like a one, two, three dribble mid range, pull up type stuff, attack the close out, get to a spot, shoot over someone. Um, so that that's the hope, but right now the, the individual shot creation isn't quite there understand completely but hey i mean if you if you got a six nine guy who's you know swatting the crap out of everything has defensive upside all over the floor and can knock down almost 40 percent from three uh sign me up uh that sounds like a type of player that i would love to have on this team um i i do want to ask you know just since you guys both said taylor Hendricks, if he was going to pick one more in the lottery like ideal fit for the thunder who would you pick I hate how many guards they have because I do like a lot of guards, but I, I at some point, Presty can't just keep taking guards. Um, Metcalf, mm-hmm. if you got anyone off the top of your head, you can go jump in. Um, yeah, I'm I the, uh, oh, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I, I, I would lean Grady Dick just because of the, the, the feel, the shooting. Um, I think he's turned into or I think his off-ball defense improved tremendously um, as the season went on. And I thought he was a really good off-ball defender um, in high school too. So that that's something I'd be willing to bet on. Um, not super high upside there, I don't think. Mm-hmm. But I think really safe floor of a guy who's going to be a top six rotation guy for 10 to 15 years. Yeah, I I think that idea or 
kind of almost like I feel like they could be dancing with some craziness and go after someone like Jordan Hawkins, which might be a wild card. But all of a Mm. sudden, if you're if you're adding that wrinkle to your rotation of like, okay, now we have the lethal three point shooter that we can run off of actions and he lights it up from outside. And um, that might be just kind of one of those pieces where it's like, just add that wrinkle into this, you know, foundation um, sort of what was what Metcalf's talking about with Grady Dick, but I think Jordan would be more of like a a shooting guard, I guess, if you want to put it in the old school positions. Mm-hmm. But um, I just love his game. I think there's a lot of upside with it too, and I think just building depth. And now all of a sudden you got to, okay, we need offense. Let's bring Jordan in, and he runs off some screens, and um, maybe Chet setting ball screens away from him, and all of a sudden he's throwing it down to Chet. Like that's oof, that gets really fun in a hurry. Yeah, and like uh, you know, we just did our toe toe deep draft take episode in our last spot. Uh, I think I actually I, I put them on Twitter, and I think I actually sent it to you, Rucker. But um, I said that if we went positional, uh, four guys that I want is you know one of Jairus Walker, Taylor Hendricks, but also I had Cam Whitmore and Oswald Thompson in there um, as players uh, in that realm. And then I said if we go shooting. I had Dick and Hawkins, like you were saying, but I also had Jet Howard and Bryce Sensabine there. Um, is is there anybody that kind of sticks out uh, in those four other names that weren't mentioned that you think would be great for the Thunder? I, I adore Cam Whitmore. Um, and I have him at five on my board. Uh, only reason what? I didn't say him was just because I, I have him higher uh, than mm-hmm. kind of where you guys are at at 12. Um just ridiculous athlete. Everyone talks about the Thompson twins and their athleticism. I, I think Cam's right there with them, um, with his combination of burst explosiveness and strength and power. Um, it's really special stuff. His ability to get downhill is it's impossible to defend him. Um, I think his ball handling is fine, but every time he tried to dance with it, nothing really happened. But when he was like, all right, I'm at point A, I'm going point B. It was impossible to stop the shot improved. I think there's real defensive upside there. Um, yeah, I, I think his life would be really, really easy, um, on that Thunder roster too. Did you say someone that you didn't mention? Uh, no. Yeah. Just like, uh, so you guys talked about Jairus Hendricks, Hawkins and Dix. I was saying between Bryce, Jet, Azor and Cam, is there anybody that like sticks out as like a good I, I Cam, I'll, I'll give it another one. Um, I, I like Asar. I, I really do. I, think it could be a name that is somehow on the board still when OKC picks and it's not me, you know, slandering the Thompson twins. I just mm-hmm. think there's a, a wide range of when you ask about them of how NBA teams view the Thompson twins and playing in the OTE. And um, I think he could be on the board there. And, and I think, I think the world of Vassar, I think he's really got some, some talent to be a nice piece for like someone like the thunder where he's comfortable off the ball. His defensive upside scary. Um, I think it's something that deserves a lot more spotlight. He has, I believe he's got all defensive tools. Um, mm-hmm. And he he's, I think his brother, Amen's a very gifted playmaker. It's very flashy with Amen. I think Asar has playmaking chops. They're just not the highlight, you know, show stopping ones that you're going to see all the time. So, um, that's another name I would love that he somehow ends up in OKC with all that talent and they can continue to groom him. And he's a great cutter. Um, and Metcalf yeah. always like to put that out, point that out with the cutting guys. Like he's, he's really good off the ball. He understands where he's supposed to be. So I'll throw that one in the, in the mix as well. 
Yeah, because didn't he actually lead the OTE in assists over Amun? Oh, now you're gonna make me get my numbers. Up. <laughs> I think it was separated by like point one or point two. I just I, I pulled that set up yeah. whenever I was trying to argue but, his case. Point two. So um, I get. I just I just think he knows how to play. He seems like a guy that would be very fun to play basketball with mm-hmm. because he just understands making the extra pass, where to space out, where to fill lanes. Um, very selfish without the ball. I mean, he just understands how to play the game. I think he's going to be a really good piece up there. I know everyone's going to have some questions about a man, but I love what I've seen from Asar. Yeah, and I kind of want to ask you guys. You know, this this isn't on the on the dock or anything like that. Kind of going off script a little bit. Okay. But I know uh, Cone asked uh, Nathan and Stephen last year about whenever Yamantera was coming out of the OTE, like how you go about evaluating, you know, that brand new of a league, like that because like you know i, I kind of paid attention to the playoffs like it was all over my tiktok or whatever and you it, it seems like the thompson twins signed up on the best team you know it wasn't just them it was the ey thompson kid making five threes a game i think trey johnson's still there like it it seemed like the cards were stacked in their favor and obviously they went on and won so like what can really be taken away from the OTs? i guess what i'm trying to say I'll let my cuff start off oh, on this God. one. I have oh. a feeling we're going to – I'm going to try to give the optimistic part where yeah. my cap will hit it. I, I'm going to be a bit of a downer here. Just so unlike me tonight. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it's it's tough because they are so much fun, and their highlight tapes are arguably the, the most fun or one of the most fun in this entire draft. Um, but when you look at their age, you know, they're 20 years old. And they're playing against 15 and 16 and 17 year olds. Um, the shooting didn't really increase. I don't think to a meaningful level, mm-hmm. the, the competition and just the, the overall structure of their games, it was very, just roll the balls out and play. And to some extent that, that gives you kind of a really fun projection of what their feel is, their ability to kind of improvise on the fly, to get out in space, what that athleticism looks like um, when it's, full gear all the time but when you're facing structured defenses and higher iq players and coaching and all of that kind of stuff and you and you're in a real structure where you're not allowed to run 35 percent of your possessions in transition your game's going to look a lot different and i worry about how they actually score mm-hmm. in the half court on an nba team um because their half court scoring numbers aren't good and when you can run 35 to 40% of your possessions in transition, you're going to get a lot of dunks. You're going to get a lot of layups and that's going to inflate your numbers a lot. They're incredible athletes. Uh, by all accounts, they're really good kids, really hard workers, but I, I, I honestly don't know how to properly evaluate what they did these last two years. Because like you said, everything was stacked in their favor where the teams were constructed in their favor. Mm-hmm. They were able to play together. They were, even the pieces around them were some of the better players in OTE. It's tough. It's really, really tough. And I know a lot of people are way higher on them than I am. I'm just, I, I would be okay passing on them. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough. Um, I'm trying to be, see now I'm trying to be positive. Um, <laughs> trying to offset the, yeah. the yang. It, it is tough, and and we've always said we're never rooting against prospects, but no, it's no, really no. tough I want to evaluate. Wrong. Yeah, we're it's I want to be wrong, um, but it, the age thing is serious. They're way more explosive. There's a lot of times on film, like 
It is a, it's a coast. It is a coasting through the lane for a dunk or coasting through the lane for a layup. And you're like, all right, I can't really get married to that clip or that sequence. So I feel like you you evaluate and you try to focus on the flashes where it's like, okay, like a man had the sequence on defense that's run through my mind all year where like he looked pissed. He looked just a hundred and ten percent engaged defensively. And I was like, I haven't seen this all year, but in this clip, he looks terrifyingly awesome defensively. So I'm like out of 500 clips defensively, I'm not watching this one. And I'm like, is this a tease or am I, is, is what's going on? So, mm-hmm. I mean, I've asked around it and there's executives that have even been like, the league's a joke. Like, and I'm like, okay, well tell me how you really feel about it. And it's, <laughs> I understand it's it's tough because the league got so much better in one year with the amount of talent they brought in, and mm-hmm. I think they're on the right path. But we're we're still a while away, and they have a lot of games where you know they put up huge box scores. But I was like, I watched eight possessions where it was you know cherry picking dunks, and um, it's just tough. But like the the skills they have, like a men we'll have a lot of questions, but his first step is terrifying. Mm-hmm. His explosiveness is unreal. And he's six, seven, like, right. Those three things right there are like, Oh my gosh. And then you add the playmaking and I'm like, okay, this has to work some way at the next level with the additional spacing, the talent around him. But then when it doesn't, and you know, if they're playing him off like Ben Simmons, what's going to happen? Because the shot did look hesitant. He also gets into traffic and struggles and, Asar's got his weaknesses too, but it makes it very challenging um, because I watched those. and I'm like, this is going to work. Like th- this is going to work. And then we had no ceiling. Some guys have been like, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Like guys yeah. are just, they've gotten to that point where they're so frustrated. They're like, if I miss, I will put my hand up and be like, I missed. And yeah. um, I'm, I still believe in, but it's, you know, I feel like I'm, I'm alone on that <laughs> Island right now. <laughs> No, nah, I mean, I mean, like I, I highlighted Osser as like one of the guys that I really liked coming into the draft cycle just because I feel like between the Thompson twins, I, I you know, I, I had him hired just because I feel like the playmaking was akin to each other. I feel like Osser has showcased more growth in terms of his shooting and, you know, shooting potential in terms of his form and stuff. And yep. I just think defensively, like he's, he's a monster. And I mean, mm-hmm. like you were saying about his cutting and athleticism right next to each other, it's like, I feel like he would fit the Thunder better, and that's why I really liked him. But, yeah, man, like, you know, obviously, you know, I'm a huge Kentucky fan. So, like, when Rob Dillingham, you know, went to OTE, like, I was locked in. And I think they played the cold hearts round one, and Rob dropped, like, 35 in the first game. And then the second game, they threw Amin and Osor at him the entire game. And, like, that, that was it. Their whole right, team was right. Rob. And, you know, OTE, I mean, not OTE, the Reapers had, you know, three other guys to go out there and get buckets while Amin and Azor just locked them up. So I don't know, man, it's just weird. It's definitely strange. I mean, it's, it's going to be a puzzle the whole time. And, and that's why I think me and Metcalf on the no ceilings pot a lot. We talk about like the fit with the men, especially is like so fascinating to us because if he goes to the right place, I see a path where he has mm-hmm. some serious success, but then you start to get in the conversation of like, if he goes to Charlotte, is that going to work with him and LaMelo? Like they have a lot of similarities, but also a lot of weaknesses that are kind of similar. So it's just, I don't know. It's going to be fascinating. I'm, I'm so fascinated to see their pre-draft process and like what happens. Like, are they going to work out for every team? Are they going to make it like, Oh, I'm only working out for this range. And it's like, Oh, I, I hate when guys do that. And especially if you're doubling down after, 
you know, playing the OTE where I think a lot of teams want to see them work out, want to get their eyes on them. And um, we're going to find out. All right. Sorry to go on that OTE diatribe. No, uh, it's fine. It's fine. That's what back to your reg- back to your regular schedule programming. <laughs> uh, let's see here. So um, let me see where I want to go with this. So obviously every year there are risers in the draft. And when there are risers, there are players that fall. So who is somebody that is projected right now, kind of higher on the upside of the water that you think could fall to OKC? Gosh, I still have them in the lottery, but I know people are cooling down on this one in a hurry. I still think Jet will be there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's that Jerry like... left whenever you're about to talk about <laughs> yeah, Jet. Yeah, I know. It's geez, Jerry. his favorite player. Yeah, <laughs> I like Jet. Um, I think you're probably talking to the right guys. If if OKC fans are listening and you need to buy in, like how can I buy in on Jet Howard? I think Jet's got serious talent. I I really mm-hmm. do think that's a guy that. Would not shock me if Presti is all over that. Um, like I've just seen some people say he can't create, and I'm like, what? Um, <laughs> and just he had some games that were just kind of one of those like, okay, you know what? What does the younger kid say? Like he, he's him. Like gosh, I just sounded so old right there. But <laughs> what I was just, that? Yeah, that was terrible. <laughs> oh I need to go. God. But hey, I. Uh, <laughs> Gosh, I, I I wish we could delete that. No, but I, I <laughs> love that, that as we he's see. Yeah. Clip, it, clip it. Thank you. I'm old. Okay. Uh, I love Jet. I've loved everything I've seen from him. He played injured. You know, those reports came out at the end of the year. It was ankles, not ankle. So a movement shooter like that playing banged up throughout the whole year. We saw what he could do when he's at his, his height and – um, I, I think he took stride. He was rough defensively in the beginning of the year. I think he yeah, took strides yes. in the right direction throughout the year. Um, everyone's going to point out his rebounding. I agree. I can't stand when guys don't rebound when they have that much size. So, um, but I think a guy like that, you're adding him to OKC where it's like, come in space the floor, be a smart piece alongside everybody else. Like, I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And I, I, Jack, everyone keeps looking at Jet as just this scorer. Um, And what, for some reason, keeps getting slept on is how good of a passer he was for the first two-thirds of the season before those ankle injuries really set in. Because right right around that point, you saw Michigan's entire offensive philosophy change, where in the first part of the, the season, they were running him off of a variation of screens and letting him attack downhill or attack space and giving him multiple decisions to make, whether it's, you know, hit, hit Dickinson on the roll, create a mid-range step back, uh, pull up right away for a three, kick it out to a corner shooter, whatever the defense showed, he had the awareness and the freedom to make the decision to counter it. And he did it regularly. Once those injuries set in, his movement off of screens completely went away. The constant post-ups to Dickinson just skyrocketed and their, their offense fell off a cliff because the major creation focal point of their offense completely changed midway through the season. And when you're a shooter like that, when you're, when you rely on kind of stop and go movements and ball handling and shiftiness to create space, to create um, scoring opportunities and your ankles aren't there to allow you to do that, you become so, so limited. Um, The defense was bad. The rebounding is bad, but I thought the defense took steps in the right direction throughout the year, despite the injuries, uh, still wasn't good, but it wasn't atrocious. 
I, I, I really think he's going to be a good player, and I, I don't get why he's falling into the 20s on a lot of boards. Well, I guess it's probably Jerry's propaganda that he's been pushing <laughs> that is single-handedly dropping Jet Howard. Um, he just learned about him before the podcast, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he is. He's gone really hard on that propaganda <laughs> in these last about 30, 40 minutes. Uh, hour 17 minutes. I'm now seeing that we actually have a clock telling us how long. I should pay attention to that. <laughs> but um, I guess kind of now going from you know who could be there available to us, who could fall to us. The other side of the coin is who could be there that maybe is considered a bit of a reach. I know we talked about that a little bit earlier, how maybe the Thunder reach on someone because they're a piece that fits really well. And that's kind of now what we're looking for is those connecting guys. Who is a player that you like a lot that's projected a bit lower that you could maybe see the Thunder reaching on? And ultimately you're like, sure, it's a bit of a reach, but in terms of what the Thunder need, it's a great pick for them. Colby Jones. I like the piece of Colby Jones. That's one of my guys. I And that one would be a little bit of like a, whoa, what are we doing? Another guard. But um, I feel like that might be the Jalen Williams of this draft of kind of just one of those guys that <laughs> does a little bit of everything and can score, can play defense, can be a playmaker, can rebound and upperclassmen so everyone might be like eh, i don't know but i think just colby jones is one of those you know lunch pail and hard hat and go to work and do everything you can every night to to help you win so that could be a wild card um but i don't know I, that that's a name that was i'm probably higher on him on my board than a lot of other people but um i don't know and metcalf you got anyone yeah, and I, I think Colby makes a lot of sense. Um, one who I've, I've actually moved up to like 22 now, um, Julian Strother, uh, one of the best off-ball shooters with scary, legit NBA range. Um, just going to run through some synergy numbers here for you. So 97th percentile in spot-up scoring, um, 84th percentile in transition scoring, 77th in off-screens, 90th off-cuts. And then he took a huge step forward as an on-ball scorer too, uh, 77th percentile uh, as a pick-and-roll ball handler, uh, 72nd, or excuse me, 71st percentile on dribble jumpers, and 93rd percentile shooting off the catch. Um, on top of that, he's an awesome cutter and an elite rebounder, especially for his position. I'll, I'll bring one more to the table that me and Metcalf don't really necessarily like, um, but I could see it making some sense for the Thunder, is uh, Bryce Sensible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, just big bodied wing that could shoot the crap out of the ball really can be a microwave machine. He's about six, six two thirty, but good footwork. He could score a lot. There's some people that are just passionate about Bryce sense the ball, like top 10 status. So, um, that's someone I could see making a lot of sense for OKC of just kind of having like the, okay, here's our, our spark plug shooter. That's just a tough shot maker. Um, I don't know. I'm not, I'm, I've got him at 20. I know some people got him top 10. I feel really good about him at 20. So we'll see. Yeah. Strother is a guy that, I've kind of, yeah, he, he's a guy that I've wanted to like package our second round picks and move into like the late first, like, you know, yes. throw like a next year's first and try to get because all the reasons Metcalf just said, I mean, offensively, like he fits like a glove and he's not a sieve defensively. And also he has familiarity playing with Chet. So, you know, that, that that's fun too. I love him. 
He, that's an underrated guy that I I would love if they somehow went back up in the first and stole him. He, he's he rebounds the crap out of the ball too, and he just this year if you watch his film, he was pulling from the parking lot from outside. So, like you said, playing with Chet, having that you know recognition to kind of know to play to each other's strengths. I love Strother. And then just one absolute wild card. Um, I just finished my dive on him. Um, I, I think Rucker will love this. James Nagy. Um, I would. I love you so much. Sometimes. I, would, <laughs> I, 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 that, that would, that would be really early. That would really be early. really early. Really early. Um, yeah. But God, I would love him in their developmental system. Yeah. He's, he's built like a tank, man. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then some. Oh my god, yeah, he's crazy. Uh, I do want to ask before I let Cone ask the next question. Sorry, Cone, I just got to get this out of here. No, go for um, it. So I noticed you guys left out a name there that I guess it's just draft deeper that's super high on him, like oh, this high gosh. on him. In no go. Oh gosh, Delacua Bali, man, what's up? <laughs> I, I I admittedly haven't watched enough to give an educated take on him. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. The draft deeper guys are trying to make cool ball a their love child, so I'll, I'll it's okay. Like, I'm like, hey guys, this beginning of the year, I was like, hey, cool ball is pretty sweet. And Maxwell was in on it with me, and then now all of a sudden it's just like the the talk of the day every day. He's fun, he's really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, scary tools, I think he's got just crazy buzz right now with draft Twitter and draft community fans, and like everyone's like, he's lottery, lottery, and I'm like, okay, just pump the brakes you know bring it back a little bit calm down um but i think if you're buying in that's the the wild card developmental and i just don't i don't think that's presty this year and i i don't i'm not trying to like if everyone's a diehard cool ballet fan now it's like okay like i'm not trying to put any fire out but i think you just did that with jang so it'd make more sense if presty's trying to be like hey let's get now the next piece that's like hopefully the the Jalen Williams light you know contribution as a rookie like what we thought Jalen Williams was going to be until he turned into a freak of nature but um I still think you're going to be doubling down on Shang as being that you know developmental year um, but cool ball is fun I think someone's going to buy in and he's you know he was listed around 6'6 six, six all year now latest rumors is 6'8 so everyone's gonna be like oh goodness and um, lot lower level of play that he was dominating and he showed mm-hmm. some flashes. He, like I went back and watched the game against um, the ignite and I was like, Oh gosh, cool. Bali is getting after it defensively here. So I don't know. He's going to be a wild card. Obviously if he goes and has a strong pre-draft and gets in front of teams and works out, that name could get sizzling in a hurry, but I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's Presti's vision Obviously, no one knows, but um, I feel like he will try to get someone more of like, okay, maybe they could help us right away in a limited basis. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, the question, the next question is kind of who someone who's projected uh, lower that you could see Presty pouncing on a 12, which is kind of similar to what we we're talking about, like potentially going, you know, those later guys. Um Quickly, I guess, kind of covering our second round picks. We have two pretty high second round picks in the draft. Who are some prospects you see kind of towards the beginning of that second round who are good fits? They have upside that the Thunder could potentially swing for there if they get more of a a win now kind of connecting player with pick 12. 
Upside, upside, upside. And I, I think two of the Julie Ignite guys and CD Sissoko and Leonard Miller make a lot of sense there. I know a lot of people are starting to get really high on Leonard Miller, um, like top 20 high. Um, I would, I, I think Kevin McCuller makes a lot of sense, not necessarily a upside swing, but if you take that at 12 and you get McCuller in um, as kind of the more guaranteed rotational mm-hmm. type guy, um, you know, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. I think he's the best team defender in this class. Um, really good passer, really good cutter, just kind of has to figure out how to shoot a corner three and at OKC, I think that that would be a really good spot for him to kind of figure out how to do Shout that. Out given, chip. Yeah. Yep. Um, we love chip hit, hit OKC fans here. You, hit me with what do you guys position wise think you need? This is what I meant to ask earlier. I'm going to throw it back at you guys. Like you, you want to build a position. You want some depth. Where would you guys prioritize? This is what me and Matt uh, do. We throw it back at people. Front court. <laughs> exactly. I think we, we, we divert. It's it's got to be front court guys. Whether front court. It's, okay. You know, okay. Desperately needing some size down low, like you watched us against the Pelicans in that game. We won, but we got destroyed on the boards against the Timberwolves. We didn't stand a chance against Cat down low, and Gobert was dominant. We just don't have that size. Uh, I've been someone I've wanted for so long for, you know, Shane Giddy to get more of a lob threat. Chet's going to provide a little of that as actually being someone above seven feet tall, but also, you know, just someone who can is tall enough to catch the ball above the rim is kind of what I'm looking for personally. Obviously, you know, you talk about like great athletes, like a Cam Whitmore, if we're somehow, somehow able to get a player like him, but I don't see that happening. He's going to go too far ahead of us. But just, you know, someone who can do kind of those things, someone who can also just set a big body screen for Shea, like we desperately need a screen setter. So for me, really, it's like talented guys that just have size because we're playing really small ball at the moment and it's working. But with Chet coming back and, you know, he's a seven footer, obviously, but he's not really like the biggest guy. Just somebody with size kind of in that front court is what I'm personally looking for. And I feel like we kind of need at this point. Yeah, and I'm kind of feeling like, you know, uh, like, you know, you, you, you know, obviously in the front court, but like a wing type front court, like, you know, kind of like that tweener. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would like, to, I like, please, man, like we, we've suffered long enough. Like I need somebody I can shoot the ball. Um, <laughs> so we have Isaiah Joe Dillon. He can shoot every three on the roster. <laughs> yeah. Give him a chance. And he and will. He will. <laughs> and he will. Exactly. Um, and then, you know, somebody could defend, defend. And also I just gotta say, we gotta stop saying lob threat for Shea and Giddy Cone. Giddy cannot throw lobs. Let's just okay. let's just get there. Maybe off. he would if he had a target who is a bit larger. If you get just get someone that's really big, <laughs> or put someone else on someone else's shoulders at this point, and just make something happen there. But yeah, Nick yeah. we're going to say the same person, aren't we? Probably. Um, so I, I think this is actually a really fun range for the bigs in this class. Mm-hmm. Um, I mentioned James Naji earlier. He won't be there in the second round. Uh, Derek Lively, another one. He won't be there in the second round. Um, I love a Dembona. Oh, gosh. Um, freak defender. Really good screener. Really good rim runner. Isn't going to do anything else for you on offense, but he'll do those things. An offensive rebound and cut um, screen. But just because he can't shoot doesn't mean he's going to go out there and try to start shooting. He plays really within himself mm-hmm. and executes whatever role he's kind of told to do. I think he has um, like Robert Williams level defensive upside. Um, Trace Jackson Davis, I think, makes a lot of sense and it's a mm. lot of fun and provides a lot 
of that kind of passing high IQ ball movement stuff on offense too. Um, and then someone who a lot of others are higher on than me, um, Deron Holmes, um, good mm-hmm. passer, good defender, a, a bit of that rim running, but still kind of way more on the uh, slender end of the spectrum. Um, so the, 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 when talking about kind of bigs, th- those would be some of my favorites in that range. Bona would be unbelievable um, if they got him. Uh, he, oh gosh, he has some defensive film that is just like you'll be drooling just thinking of him and Chet next to the other because he's he's built like a tank. He is constantly playing at you know supersonic speed. Like he, his motor never turns off. I watched him in warmups and he looked like he was just trying to break the backboard like every time. Like he would just drop step, try to rip down the hoop and he'll have some blocks where it's just sprinting out of nowhere and he swats it in like the 10th row. He plays so damn hard. So it's one of those, if you put him next to Chet and just be like, Hey, get every lob and rebound and just play good defense. It'd be like, yeah, check, check, check. Okay. Um, I love TJD. I somehow if him and Chet played together, Oh my gosh, that'd be terrifying. Even it's, I know he's six the ball nine. movement on that team. Would oh, be gosh. Insane. His his playmaking this year took the biggest leap. I, I was so shocked. Um, he will never take him. a jumper, but they will need him to. <laughs> it, it, they'll just be like, just rebound and block and throw dimes, and everybody else could shoot. And he'll be like, great, this is what I can do. So I don't know. Um, I'm trying to get a wing for you guys. That I, it, it's a tough range for the wings. Yeah, it really like the, is. Especially Murray for like Bailey, maybe be like a developmental just swing because he might be in that range where you're like, he shouldn't be here. Like a pre-draft guy, if you want to say it that. Um, Maybe Jalen Clark, if the medicals check out for them. Um, Jalen. Awesome defender. His shot took a a big jump. Friend of the program. Uh, Good dude. Um, Did you say Andre? No, not yet. I love me, Andre Jackson. Chaos. I'm not a guy that needs chip. He needs chip, but that dude is a game wrecker. I would Good thing love we've got him. Chip. Yes, chip he... might be like that's that. that, that <laughs> chip might be like, like I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> I, I just I love Andre. He's a game wrecker. He would be one of those guys that some nights you're like get Andre off the court, and some nights you're like Andre is destroying everything on the court in a great way for Thunder fans. Like it's just I love him. He's he's chaos but sometimes you need to let chaos run all over the place so yeah i don't know there's some uh, there's some names there's somebody in the second i wanted to ask you guys about mm-hmm. and i, I kind of forgot about him uh, uh he was very prevalent when we played against him and when when he dominated the kentucky wildcats uh kobe brown out yeah. of missouri uh what six eight two fifty and it's just an absolute bucket and built like a tank like uh, how do you guys feel about kobe brown I like Kobe. No, I, I I like him. It's going to be one of those guys. He's going to get selected late and probably the second, or he's going to have to claw his way on a roster. It, it would not shock me if he ends up on a roster. It would not shock me if he doesn't get drafted and he's a priority, you know, mm-hmm. two way guy that goes to the G league and proves his worth and is quickly up called up. I, he's just one of those guys where you know, at Missouri, he did everything for them. Um, yeah. Played so many positions, and he's a playmaker. He spaced the floor. He rebounded. So I feel like those guys, yeah, yeah he's going to have to figure out his position at the next level. But he does so many things. He, it wouldn't shock me if he found a spot on a roster. I, I like him. It's just kind of like, okay, someone's got to have a plan for, you know, 
having him because mm-hmm. he he's he's got the size of like a, a power forward with that weight, but he almost plays the game like he's a you know playmaking three and I don't know. But I, I really like his game. Like watching him at Missouri, I was just like, this dude's just fun. I, I, he's a fun hooper on the court. So I don't know. I'm just always a little wary of those kind of older guys who really break onto the scene late. Um, mm-hmm. Incredible year. So much fun. That Missouri team was a blast to watch this year. So not trying to take <laughs> anything away from him as a player, but I'm I'm just not sure how it translates necessarily to the next level. Yeah. Um, Rucker mentioned he's a guy that you kind of need to have a plan for. Unfortunately, guys where he would get drafted. If he does get drafted, they don't get plans. They just kind of have to figure it <laughs> out. Um, they, they have to prove that they can do it. Um, and I'm just not sure what he is defensively necessarily because he was, he's not a center, but he played center for Missouri a lot of the year. So weird player, really fun player, really skilled, really versatile. I'm just not entirely sure how real this jump was in this game and how it necessarily translates to the next level. That's fair. And yeah. Like I said, you know, the, we this is this is our introduction into draft coverage. I'm I'm very casual in the space right now, so I just had to throw the name out there. That's what we're here for. You guys are supposed to ask us all these questions. Have us on <laughs> as much as you want. Good job, Dylan. Um, <laughs> and uh, one more question, kind of just yes. focusing on players based off Thunder criteria. Presty has, you know, his saying he likes to draft people, not players. And if you're thinking about guys that are like really high character, just like great presence type of guys, who are some people that kind of fall into that vision in this draft? Um, I'm just, do, do you have a specific range or do you just, just, um, just yeah, yeah, just kind of all over. Um, Scoot, we hear incredible things about Jarris. Um, and to, to be a freshman and go to that Houston program willingly, um, <laughs> you, you have to be a hard worker and willing to get your ass kicked. So um, yep. I, I, everything I hear about Kobe Bufkin is that he rocks everything we've heard about the Thompson twins. They're really good kids, really respectful, really hardworking, really coachable. Um, Kobe Jones, another one of Kobe. those guys. Um, it's not I like did. I'm trying to say anyone's a jerk, no, but no. I'm trying to go through like who's the notable. Who's above and beyond, yeah. No, it's just who. Yeah. Sasser. Um, I think that's uh, na- those are the big ones yeah. that have popped, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I want to quickly say I'm also a big Jairus Walker fan. He's been someone that it. I've had on my, like, like someone that I've looked at for a while just – I don't know. He feels like he'd be such a good fit. It's a shame that I don't that he won't be available when we pick. He um, shouldn't be. So, yeah. I knew oh, I liked Cone. I unless knew we I trade liked up you. for him. <laughs> yes, I'm, unless we trade up. Oh, if we trade up for Jarris, I would be I'd be over the moon if that was I, I'm I'm moving to OKC. I wouldn't I would <laughs> I wouldn't be shocked if that is in the cards. I I would not be shocked. But that's just, you know. I'm not I'm, don't don't quote me. I don't need this on NBA Central, but I'm just saying I would not be shocked if that's Presty looking at that being like that's the one piece I need. We that really could push this vision forward. So mm-hmm. I mean that's the the high character, the high, you know, drafting the person, not the you know, player and I he's also a damn good player and I think just his skill set would blossom with everybody else and yeah. I don't know. If I was Presty, I'd be trying to go get him. That's where I would be throwing, like, how many picks? How many do you want? <laughs> but, um, 
you know, he's he's pretty good at his job, so I'm not going to tell him what to do. Yeah. All right, one more wild card here before we okay. throw, throw it back on the schedule. So, um, obviously, in our draft range, um, you know, all these players that we've talked about, whether it's the shooting or, like, the positional size, like, you know, the Hendricks, the Whitmore, the Walker, all of them, probably gone if we stay at 12. Um, Metcalf, you love Trey Mann coming into the draft. He struggled a little bit. I'm not giving up on Trey Mann, but Never. if he was going to draft a player like in that kind of archetype, like you know, a guard to come in off the bench and you know maybe light the feet under Trey Mann's fire, um, who who would you take in this draft? Like you know, you got guys like Kaysen, obviously, uh, Keontae George is a name everybody likes. Jalen Hoods, Cafino, uh, who you guys thinking? Uh, yeah, I, I think Keontae um, is kind of the obvious one that fills that that role, um, mm-hmm. per se. Um, I, I, his shooting numbers weren't necessarily what a lot of people wanted them to be this year. But when you compare the film from IMG, is his senior year um, in high school versus what he did at Baylor, it, it's two completely different players and what they were asked to do and what they did every single possession on the court. That Baylor's offense there's so much motion there's so much ball movement in it and he didn't do that at img he took on a bigger playmaking role at baylor he didn't do that at img he defended more at baylor didn't do that at img so i i think the shooting numbers coming down were just a symptom of him having and actually doing so much more of everything else on the court um i i'm gonna throw kobe buffkin out there i i think mm. he he is a just such a shifty shot creator. Um, I think he has one of the best hesitation moves in the country. His ability to get to his spots in the mid range is awesome. The, the shot overall um, took massive, massive leaps. Um, Bit of that kind of combo guard where he's more of a shooting guard, but if you need him to, he can play point and run the offense, run the pick and roll, um, push it in transition, find shooters in weak side corners and then just a really good defender. Um, so th- those would kind of be my top two right there. Okay. I'll go, I'll go Keontae too. I think Keontae, a lot of people are going to make, you know, focus on the percentages. And it's one of those things where I, I evaluate him and I'm sort of trying to throw those out the door of just what I'm seeing on tape when it comes to how easy he can get a bucket, how smooth it looks, just how dangerous he can be when he's cooking. I think he's going to, be much more effective at the next level. Um, and I, I, I hate throwing out names like this, but I, I just get a lot of Donovan Mitchell vibes from him. It's mm. a good one. I like that. That's a, he, he just sometimes when his high, like I like to measure everyone's highs and his mm. highs when he's cooking are just dangerous. Like I would want to jump all over him if I was an NBA team and just get him like, okay, we got Keontae. We stole him. Um, and his playmaking flashes this were, were so awesome. And not even flashes, just like the, the playmaking ability. It was legit growth. Yeah. Yes, it was legit growth. And um, Kobe Bufkin's also awesome. I love him. Metcalf was hammering that one all year. I don't know what they would do, but if Anthony Black was somehow on the board, I don't know if Presti would pass that up. And I don't know how it would work because it, it would just be like having two giddies almost. It would just yeah. be like crazy. And I think Anthony Black's defense might give him even the nod of like, you can't pass that up. And I don't know, it would be wild, but it's just one of those guys that someone's going to get a heck of a player in Anthony Black. But 
I don't know how it works with OKC, but that's how for them for to oh, figure it out. I don't, I don't want him, man. <laughs> yeah, him and Ryan Repair, like, please, just no. I don't want him. Get stop being so harsh. I saw some Repair hatred <laughs> on Twitter today, and I was like, oh gosh, I have to air this out later. Don't the Mariano's trench comment? You don't like that? <laughs> well, the, the problem is I don't see them doing that because of what I said earlier about Zhang. I don't think you're doing mm-hmm. that again with Repair. So okay, we'll we'll keep that one out. Yeah, I've seen a lot of people on Thunder Twitter really like Anthony Black. I don't think the mold really fits. No, I, I hear you. Yeah, so. <laughs> he's trying to get to the Thunder anytime he gets a I, chance to. I oh, yeah, he talks it. about he's Shea and Giddy a lot. Like, oh, he is smart. He, he, smart. He's trying, to find, <laughs> <laughs> trying to find his way, way here, but I don't know. He, he knows who's on the rise. That's a smart kid right there. Yeah, there you go. Um, all right, guys. Uh, kind of getting close to wrapping up here. So based yeah. off our current picks, you know, it's not as fun as last year when we had, you know, like a top five and then fringe lotto then a second round. But uh, 12, 35, 37, where it stands right now, what is an ideal fun draft combination for the Thunder? And realistic, I'm assuming. Sure. We'll go Vic- with realistic. Well, Victor. Uh, <laughs> Okay. Um, um, realistic. Ew. Okay, so I I, Hendrix to be there so bad. Go ahead, yeah. Metcalf. I know. I was going to say Hendrix at twelve. Um, then we're looking at thirty-five and thirty-seven. Correct. Mm-hmm. Um, Adembona and oh god, there just isn't shooting back there. It's tough <laughs> when you get to that pick. It really um, is. Screw it. Let's say Marcus Sasser falls. Okay. Um, and for a lot of people, that may not be falling. So for me, that's just for the record. I'll say uh, Grady Dick. Mm. I'm going to change it up. I'm going to try to get outside the box. Grady Dick. Uh, where are you guys? You're at 35. Oh, I don't know if he's there. Um, I hate that range so much. You guys are making us feel great right now. <laughs> no, it's just like uh, I'm trying to project that five sucks. <laughs> no, it, no they, they I'm don't. projecting that I want this guy to fall to that, and I don't know. It. I'll just say Grady Dick, TJD, and mm-hmm. uh, Nick have stole my Sasser pick. Mike Miles, mm. my guy, I love okay. me some Mike Miles. But I wanted to say Bona. I feel like Najee is gonna go. I've heard he's going much earlier than I had him at 30. And I told, I said that someone said he's going to go. Oh, what? You have him that low. Oh, he's going back up. Trust me. I haven't adjusted this. Okay. So (laughs) he's going back up. Um, I I just got to say, if we somehow uh, leave the draft with Grady Dick and Eden Bona, uh, OKC is collectively going to go back to middle school with the the memes and the jokes. <laughs> God, I don't think I could do it. Michael Cage is going to slip something in there that Chris Fisher does not understand in the moment. But later on, it's going to be a highlight. Oh God! <laughs> um, I just went back to middle school with that comment. So, anyways, uh, let's let's wrap this up and then we'll get into the game to get y'all out of here. Y'all, okay. y'all have been great. So, um, if we were to ask you for one bold prediction for the Thunder in this draft, what would it be? Presty trades up for Jarris Walker. I love it. Let's go. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> you took mine. Yeah, I was going to say they trade into the top six for him. Okay. Um, Specific yeah. number. Ma- I like. Maybe, maybe higher. Mm. Okay. Yeah, I can't think I'm of anybody it. else. I, I don't know. 
I just said one. You're good, man. You're yeah. Good. Okay. Okay. We'll rock with it. All right. Let's 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 knock this out here. So superlatives. I've added a few from last year, so this is gonna be fun. Best athlete. Start with Metcalf. Oh God. Oh. Yeah. Just say it. Just say it. Cam Whitmore. Uh. All right. Uh, Record. And then Thompson. That's where I thought I was going. I was, I was kind of shocked yeah. with Whitmore. All right. I like it. Uh, all right. Record. Best shooter. Uh, uh, Brandon Miller. Yeah. Yep. All right. Uh, make up best passer. Uh, Scoot. Scoot. Okay. Best finisher record. I'm going to get the damn Synergy Army at me, aren't I? that Bona, he only dunks. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> you, you can't miss. <laughs> there you go. I mean, for all of these, can I leave Victor out of it? I mean, because that's just a boring answer. Um, yeah, that's probably fair. I, I'm going to say sure. uh, Trace Jackson Davis or Anthony. Gosh, he is a good finisher. Um what was the second one you said, Metcalf? Anthony Black. Black is a good finisher. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll say I'll say TJD. Sorry, I know that's boring, but I feel like everyone, if I said big names, is going to come at me, so I don't want to deal with that. But <laughs> I'm sure I will, anyways. You're good. All right, Metcalf, best perimeter defender. Um. God, uh, we're talking about just on ball. Yes. Um, Taylor Hendricks. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Just I on ball. Case uh, Wallace for me. Yeah. Let's go. Clo- um, <laughs> I would second. also throw repairs a wild card in that conversation. All right. So yeah. you, you didn't have to add that. I'm telling you. Dylan in. was perfectly fine with the one answer. <laughs> I was very cool with that. Now, 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 now he has to go edit. And- I have to I have to give everyone <laughs> some love. I have to give start being believers at everyone. ELE. All um, right. All right. Go ahead. Be- best interior defender rocker. Oh. Besides Wimby. Okay. Thank you. Feel better now. <laughs> Jarris? Metcalf? Jarris? So, I, I want to say Jarris for all of the defensive ones, but he's just like the best all-around defender. Do we have to exclude Jarris, mm-hmm. dude? Yeah. Um, Interior. There's some guys that I... I'm going to say Najee. Mm. That's oh, like I, I think bonus... Lively? Bonus. Lively, maybe? That's a good one, too. Yeah, I'll go... His rim protection was nasty this year. All right. Uh, make up highest IQ. Mm. Scoop. Mm. Um, yeah. Jarris is a close second. Oh, I'll say Jarris. Gosh, I okay. love Scoot too, but Jarris does some stuff that's a little freaky. Gosh, you were you were making Thunder fans fall in love with Jarris Walker. <laughs> uh, it's too late, Dylan. It's it happened months ago. <laughs> yeah, they've been no, reading any, stuff anybody that's you know been, been straggling on. Um, all right, uh, Rucker, highest feel in the draft. Uh, Scoot. 
Same. Okay. I got two more here. So Metcalf, highest floor in the draft. Uh, Jarris. Highest floor. Um, Watching the internal battles in, in your guys' head when this is happening. Well, the problem is I'm not trying to just keep repeating answers. Yeah, uh, highest floor. I'll throw Kaysen in that I'll throw K- as well. Son of a. It's just going to say Kaysen. I'll say Kaysen. Kaysen. Let's go. All right. Anyways. Uh, all right, Rucker. Deepest bag in the draft. Oh, I knew this was always the one that gives me Marcus Sasser. I will say Marcus Sasser has some some serious stuff. Um, I'll go to Quavian Smith. That's a good mm. one. Yeah, for sure. Get ready to say Rob Dillingham next year. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, start bench cut. Here we go. I'm yes. at Asura Cam. So, and, uh, who yeah. What was again? the first one? I was being a jerk and talking still. No, you're fine. I'm in Asura and Cam Whitmore. <sighs> Whoever wants to go first. Uh, oh, God. Um, Start cam, bench Asar, cut amen. My name's Tyler Rucker at Tyler at <laughs> Rucker. Come bring me all of your complaints. All the smoke. Second. And that is at T Metcalf. No, that, that, that was also at Tyler underscore Rucker. <laughs> they, they share a Twitter account. <laughs> they share first names and accounts. All right. Uh, Taylor Hendricks, Jarris Walker, Anthony Black. Uh, Start starting Jarvis, benching Hendricks, cutting Anthony Black. <laughs> That's a tough one. Uh, 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 start Jarvis, bench Anthony Black, cut Hendricks. That all one right. hurts. I like all of them. Yeah. All right. Grady Ditt, Jet Howard, Jordan Hawkins. Uh, I'm going to start Jet, bench Grady, cut Hawkins. And that hurts. I'm going to start. Jordan, bench Jet and cut Grady. Ooh, yeah. A little bit of discourse there. I like it. Yeah. All right. Uh, Kaysom Wallace, Keontae George, Jalen Huskafina. Be very careful what you say here with Dylan. <laughs> so obvious one is to cut Kaysom. Oh, dang <laughs> it, guys! It's been fun. Uh, have a good <laughs> this has been Topic Thunder. <laughs> I, I love J- I love Jalen a lot. I, I think I'm still very high on him but i would probably be cutting him and starting casing and benching keontae uh flip casing and keontae for me same answer okay uh rayon repair gg jackson and maxwell lewis (laughs) now we're cooking um (laughs) oh no Uh, this is gonna get some people pissed off um am i trying to win a finals game or uh, just in a vacuum, okay. man. Yeah, all right. Um, I'm going to start Maxwell, uh, bench GG, cut repair. I'll do the same. Yeah, I'll do the same. <laughs> I'm just smiling over here. Very, very <laughs> happy with that one. All right. Uh, Leonard Miller, City Kosoko, Bilal Kulabali. <laughs> I'm going to get some pissed off people here. <laughs> Um, I'm, I'm gonna make start. It difficult, man. Yeah, I'm gonna start City Sissoko. I'm gonna bench Kulabale, and I'm gonna cut Leonard Miller. Ooh, interesting. Okay, I'm gonna yeah. start Leonard Miller, uh, bench City, and uh, cut Kulabale because I haven't watched enough. 
All right, that's fair. That's a nice cop out. I like it. <laughs> uh, all right, Kobe Buffin, Colby Jones, Marcus Sasser. I'm starting Colby Jones. I'm a bench Kobe Buffkin, and I'm a bench Mar- or cut Marcus Sasser, and that hurts because yeah. I love Marcus Sasser. Yeah, I'm I didn't sure. realize you was that high on Colby Jones. Oh yeah. Um. Yeah, I'm gonna start Buffkin, bench Colby, and uh, cut Sasser, which all hurts. Right. All right, got a couple more here. So Julian Strother, Jalen Wilson, Mike Miles. Oh boy, mm, that's uncertain. Oh, this oh, that's just rude. Stroth, <laughs> what was it? Strother, Mike Miles, and who? Jalen Wilson. I'm going that order. So Start Strother, uh, bench Miles, cut Jalen. Yeah, I would do the same. Gosh, right. I wish more people like Jalen Wilson too, and I—it's just confusing. Well, I mean, you could have just not cut him right there, and but know, I made, can't made do that to Mike Miles. I can't not have Mike Miles on my roster, so I, I stand by my decision. Here's oh, where so. we get fun, boys: Chet Holmgren, Victor Wembanyama, Evan Mobley. Oh God! <laughs> uh, start Chet, bench Evan, cut Victor. <laughs> Victor's never played an NBA game, neither has Chet, but I still – this is a Thunder podcast, and I'm sticking with my Chet Holmgren love. Oh, Let's pan- go! Pandering. Um, I'll accept I, this pandering. Uh, <laughs> me too. Um, I'll start Victor, bench Chet, cut Evan. Ooh, I'm just kidding. All right, last one here. Jalen Brown, Anthony Edwards, Shea Gilgis Alexander. Uh, start Anthony Edwards, and I, it doesn't matter. After that. <laughs> this is tough. Uh, start Jalen, bench SGA, cut oh. cut Ant Man. <laughs> Sorry, Mick. Played in no ball, you coward. <laughs> Would you, you, you read, the room. Fool. read the room? <laughs> you didn't read the room. You started Jalen Brown. Come on, <laughs> I'm reading the room. I'm looking at my own screen. It's me. <laughs> read his own room. <laughs> read my own room. <laughs> I like it. All right, boys. Well, hey, we've gone almost two hours at this point talking all things draft. You guys have been so gracious and coming on in the wee hours of night to you know talk a little bit NBA draft. So definitely appreciate you guys. Always a blast having you on. I want to give the opportunity to you know plug anything you guys have to plug. I know you guys are always cooking up something crazy at those ceilings. So you have the floor. Oh, okay. I guess I'm going. Um just no ceilings NBA across all socials, uh, no ceilings NBA draft podcast. Um, I think everywhere you can find it, um, but at least on Apple and Spotify, uh, no ceilings NBA.com stuff every day of the Monday through Friday, hundred percent free. Just click that subscribe button while you're there. Yeah. Thank you guys for having us on. It's always one of my favorite pods to do. Absolutely. And, um, we'll have a draft guide coming out. So everyone get excited and, and be looking out for that when we announce it. So, there's a little little hint right there. Heck yeah, man! Are y'all are y'all working up some new merch too? Yeah, we'll we'll have a a full full spread. It'll it'll be a lot. So we've been we've been grinding on it. We're excited about this year's uh, guide and merch. So fun yeah. times around the corner. Yeah, Probably I, me and Metcalf differentiate on the word fun right now, but <laughs> um, it'll be good. Yeah, I sent the picture to all you guys in the DMs, but my gray no ceilings hoodie I got last year is now slowly becoming my plain gray hoodie because of how <laughs> much I've worn that. it. So we gotta, we gotta figure that out. We gotta yeah. replace that. We, we, we gotta make that happen. But uh guys, yeah, once again, thank you for coming on. Uh 
you've done phenomenal work over the years and i've just just one more co-sign on no ceilings i always say it's the, the three f's it's free it's fun it's freaking informative so go out there and uh be sure to subscribe if you're not because it's we're in we're in the nitty-gritty guys like it's it's time uh player profiles mock drafts big boards like you name it it's it's crazy so everything uh, dylan said also if i ever need someone to hype me up for anything dylan i'm coming to you immediately to write me an introduction <laughs> and come up with some three whatever letters to describe me so i appreciate <laughs> appreciate everything you do dylan and Absolutely. yes also no ceilings fantastic like literally everything i go to for the draft is y'all so thank you uh, guys. appreciate you appreciate keeping you guys. me informed so i can pretend like i know exactly what i'm talking about <laughs> That's our point. We want to help everybody. It should all be free. It should be, you know, you should be able to catch up and, and get educated. So we, we also like Thunder fans. Thank you guys so much. You guys have been one of our favorite, most supportive fan bases this whole time. So we, we really appreciate everything keeps us grinding. So thank you guys. For sure, man. So on behalf of myself, Alex and Jerry had to leave and the underscone. Uh, hope everybody has a great night. God bless. Hoop when you can. And as always, Thunder up! Thunder up! Thunder up! Thunder up! Wolves and seven. Oh come on! <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Topic Thunder podcast. Our podcast is available to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play, or anywhere else you listen to your podcast. Be sure to leave us a five star rating and a positive review, and follow us on Twitter at OKC Topic Thunder. Thunder up! Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.